0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout Advent this year, we've been reading about and reflecting upon the experiences of those who were exiled as a result of the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Now this is also, today is the, our last reading in the Old Testament for this year's um, year of the uh, narrative lectionary next Sunday we'll be reading and I'll, we'll be preaching from Luke's gospel but today we wrap up our time listening reading and listening to stories from the Old Testament and we began reading a um, story about Abram well before the nation of Israel had been created when God told Abram he would make of him a nation as mul- as big as and numerous as all the stars in the heaven. And we also read about God changing the old and childless Abram's name to Abraham and blessing him with children. We read about how God continued to pursue a relationship with God's people and how the people continued to turn away from God. And we read about how God did, in fact, establish a nation through Abraham's descendants. And finally, last week we read from the prophet Isaiah a word of warning to Judah for the judgment that would come as a result of their infidelity to Yahweh. Isaiah's warnings were realized when the Babylonians were conquered, when the Babylonians conquered the, uh, Jerusalem and destroyed the temple in 586. And it was to this exiled nation that the prophet spoke the words of hope that we read last week. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Because God was preparing to meet his people back in that holy city. And in order to bring the people back to the holy city, God, um, through uh, King Cyrus of Persia, spoke to the people. And when the Persians and Cyrus' army conquered the Babylonians, King Cyrus told the people they could go home. They could return to the city of Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity. Can you imagine the joy that such news would have brought the Israelites? They could go home. But to what? Would their homes still be standing? They knew the temple had been destroyed, and if their homes were still standing, somebody else was probably living in the place they used to call home. They were not going back to things as they had left them. Things had certainly changed in Jerusalem, and things had certainly changed among the Israelites. Have you ever left home for an extended period of time? I'm not talking like a three-day weekend, or even a week. But for an extended period of time, maybe you were deployed, or maybe you left home to go to school. When you came back, were things exactly as they were when you left? When we moved back to Sacramento, we had been gone for 23 years. I know I don't look old enough. (laughs) Actually, Robin doesn't look old enough. Be honest, I do. We had not lived in Sacramento County from 1995 until 2018. And when we came back, we were changed. And Sacramento had changed as well. When we left, Robin was pregnant with our first child, Ryan. When we came back, we were empty nesters. The kids had already grown up and left home. So even though we were moving home, we had to establish a new home in a new life, in an area that on some level felt so familiar and in other levels felt quite foreign to us. My mom would ask if I remembered things. I'm like, nope, I was gone. <laughs> the same is true of the Israelites when they came back to Jerusalem. They had to establish new homes in a place that would have felt quite familiar and yet so different from what, how they had known it. So the first thing they do in our reading today is they focus on what was most important to them as a community. And that was the temple and the worship of Yahweh. Almost immediately they began to erect an altar so they could resume their practice of of making sacrifices to Yahweh. And they worshipped there. They worshipped there like they hadn't been able to do in Babylon and It didn't take long for the worship wars to start. (laughs) They worshiped there, and their worship evoked memories of what they had lost. Ezra writes that the old people, I didn't call them old, Ezra did, the old people wept over what they had lost while they worshiped. While the people who had not been there to see the house of the Lord prior to its destruction worshiped with joy, and the cries and the wails of those who were upset intermingled with the shouts of joy and praise for those who were joy-filled. They were worshiping God together and having totally different experiences. Worship of the same God. We'll call it a blended worship service. and some of them were wailing and just bereft at all that had changed while others were just so happy to be able to worship god together no matter the circumstances do you remember what it was like when we were able to return to in person worship after the covid quarantine in those early days, there were still plenty of regulations for, and restrictions for gathering together, and there were some among us who were, were willing to do whatever it took to just be together. Joy-filled. And others who wept and cried and said, I won't come back until it's exactly like it was when we left. The same worship. Worshiping the same God, two totally different responses, others some wept because of what we had lost and the changes that were made. Our worship of the same God brought tears to some and joy to others. Going back, coming home, can stir up a variety of emotions for us. A number of years ago, prior to our moving back to California, I came across an Advent uh, reflection or devotion that was actually taken from a sermon that was given by Frederick Beekner. And I may have shared this with you before, but I trust you don't remember if I did. I don't remember if I did. But even if I did, I think it's, it bears repeating. Uh, Beekner was a Presbyterian minister, a prolific author, a prestigious preacher, quoted often, highly regarded, attended and taught at Union Seminary in New York City, and served a large church there as well. And he passed away this last year. His reflection is titled, Are You Going Home for Christmas? Are you going home for Christmas? Beekner writes, so the interesting thing, he's gonna quote another pastor's sermon, so I'm a pastor quoting another pastor who quoted another pastor's sermon. (laughs) Just to keep it straight. So he writes, it was towards the middle of December, I think, that George Buttrick said something in a sermon that has always stayed with me. He said that on the previous Sunday, as he was leaving the church to go back to the apartment where he lived, he happened to overhear a couple of people having a conversation on the steps outside the church. Somebody asked, are you going home for Christmas? And I can almost see Buttrick with his glasses glittering in the lectern light as he peered out at all those people listening to him in that large, dim sanctuary. And he asked the question again, are you going home for Christmas? And he asked it in a way that sort of brought tears to my eyes. And it made it almost unnecessary for him to move to his answer to the question, which was that home finally is the manger in Bethlehem, the place where at midnight even the oxen kneel. Home, he said, is where Christ is, was what Buttrick said that winter morning, and when the next autumn, Beekner found himself, to his great surprise, putting aside whatever career I thought I might have as a writer, and instead went to Union Seminary, at least partly because of the tears that had kept coming to his eyes since hearing that sermon. I don't believe that I consciously thought that home I was, was what I was going there in search of, but I do believe that was the truth of it. He continues, I receive maybe three or four hundred letters a year from strangers who tell me that the books I've spent the better part of my life writing have, one way or another, saved their lives, in some cases, literally. Now, I'm deeply embarrassed by such letters because I think if they only knew that I am a person more often than not who's just as lost in the woods as they are, who is just as full of darkness and in desperate need. I think if I only knew how to save my own life, and yet they write to me as if I am a saint. And I wonder, how can I make it clear to them how wrong they are? But what I am beginning to discover is that in spite of all of that, there is a sense in which they are also right. In my books, and maybe even sometimes in real life, I do have it in me at my best to be a saint to other people. And by saint, I mean life giver. Someone who is able to bear to others something of the Holy Spirit, whom the creeds describe as the Lord and the giver of life. Sometimes by the grace of God, I have it in me to be Christ to other people. And so, of course, do we all have that same life-giving, life-saving, and healing power to be saints, to be Christ's, maybe at rare moments, even to ourselves. I believe that is when that power is alive in me and through me that I come closest to being truly home, come closest to finding or being found by that holiness that I may have glimpsed in the charity and justice and order and peace of other homes that I have known, but that in its fullness I was always missing. I cannot claim that I have found the home I long for every day of my life, not by a long shot, but I believe that in my heart I have found and have maybe always known the way that leads to it. I believe that Buttrick was right and that home, the home we long for and the home that we belong to is finally where Christ is. I believe that home is Christ's kingdom which exists both within us and among us as we wend our prodigal ways through the world in search of it. My friends, our home is in Christ. Our home is in Christ. We are home in the presence of the Almighty. Whether we happen to be in the confines of a a prison cell exiled from our families or gathered around our long-standing family home's hearth, going home for the holidays is a return to Bethlehem. It's a return to the manger where God entered the world, where God entered our lives in the form of a baby. And through that that child's life, ministry, crucifixion, and resurrection, we are invited to come home. Home in order that we might rebuild our lives in him. Those who were gathered in Jerusalem at the laying of the temple foundation responded to their worship in different ways. Some gave thanks and praised God, and others lamented, and they grieved what they had lost. And the same can be true for us as we gather for worship, especially this time of year. Because the holidays can be difficult for some of us, chock full of painful memories and experiences. For some, they elicit those, those memories and remind us of all that we have lost. But for others, they are joyous and joy-filled. So our shouts of praise are indeed intertwined with people's weeping. But we are all welcomed home. Welcomed home into the presence of the Almighty. Home for Christmas? Christmas? No place I'd rather be. Amen.